Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come into your presence again this evening. Lord, tonight I'd like to continue in explaining Job 12.8, this time beginning with the beginning of the sentence. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. Last night we spoke about, and the fish of the sea will explain it to you. Explain to you. Let me read it again. Job 12.8. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. And the fish of the sea will explain to you. There's meanings to this. We need to understand the sea. We need to understand what the fish are. And we talked about that last night. And it's in the Bible study that will be coming out very shortly on what does God see when he sees us worship. And that uh, should be up on the website here in a day or two. I was hoping to get it up last week. It's just taking longer because I'm trying to explain the creation within it. Now, to understand this verse of how, or speak to the earth and it will teach you, you have to understand these are statements of God. He told us in the scriptures that the Bible is good for learning. It's good for doctrine. It's good for guidance. So it's telling us here something important and we need to understand it because this is a parable speaking in the way of the words of the kingdom of God, the pure language of the kingdom of God. I've explained these words. And this is just a good example of it. But one of the greatest examples of the pure language and I think it's required to understand, to be able to explain how can the earth teach us, is found in the book, in the chapter Genesis 1. The very first chapter of the Bible is written in the way of the words, and the creation is written exactly correct. There is no deviance to it. It's extremely detailed, even though it's in within one chapter. Let me give you an example of this because I'd like to go tonight and take a look at it so that we might understand how the earth can teach us. Because it does teach us. It tells us in Romans 1, 18 to 22, that story as I spoke of last night. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifested in them, as manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and the Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because all they knew, because, excuse me, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. He tells us in Revelation three fourteen to 22, that the lukewarm church is going to be one that he spits out of his mouth if they don't turn and knock on the door and allow him to come in. He's knocking at the door, but they got to allow him to come in. And they got to feed him, and he will feed them. They will allow him to come in if they understand what the door means in the way of the pure language of the kingdom of heaven. I'm not going to get into that tonight. We may talk about that another night. But the point is, he said that we do not see that we are blind and that we're really in great trouble before him. We want to believe that our doctrines are good and that we're doing all these things. But every day we go to the store or we go to work or we do things, like especially here in America, and if you take out the currency that we utilize here, it's an engraven image, a very great abomination using that pyramid that 
expresses the fact that we do not believe in the authority of God. It says, in God we trust, and then it mocks him. It's a complete abomination. It's a lie. And we wouldn't have that pyramid there with the all-seeing eye and the issue of the the fact that it's got the 13 bricks. You know, the pyramid is not, the firmament is not made out of bricks. He didn't build it piece by piece. He spoke it and it was there. It's one piece. Four walls, one piece. It's not split. He said it's built like a cast iron mirror. It's casted. It's like the pillars. It was poured. God spoke it and it was done. The spirit was poured out and it was firmed in one. There's no brick layers to it. There's no 13 layers to it. It's a firmament. This is just some of the things like that. But we have to get to the idea that the creation is something. I mean, the creation story is told in the pure language of the kingdom of heaven. I'd like to give you a few pointers of how you might know this by looking at Genesis 1 in a different eye. If we look at Romans 1.18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Stop right there. It didn't say, For the wrath of God is revealed from the heavens. It said, The wrath of God is revealed from the heaven. Now, when you go back to Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens, plural, and the earth. And you get down to the second day of creation. And he gives the work of the firmament, the job of heaven. It says, and God called the firmament heaven, singular. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Very important for us to understand. You know, and pay attention that he puts this statement in Genesis 1.8. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. He does the same thing in Genesis 1. After he talks about all the things he's going to do, he then tells you the, the same kind of statement. So the evening and the morning, and he is, uh, excuse me, so the evening and the morning were the first day. The other one was the second day, there's the first day. What, what's he doing here? First off, in the evening, Jesus teaches in the morning he makes it known. I got to tell you, there's a verse that everybody should want to know by heart. They should want to know this verse and just dwell on it and dwell on it and dwell on it because we have come to the morning of the day of the Lord and Psalms 49, 14. Psalms 49, 14. It says, like sheep they are laid in the grave, death shall feed on them. The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall be consumed in the grave far from their dwelling. This is telling you an exact answer, an exact statement that's confirmed throughout so many other scriptures in the Bible. Like Joel 2, 12 to 20, he's going to drive the northern army far from us. He tells others that he's going to drive them into the to their backs are going to be to the western sea and their um, faces to the eastern sea. The Lord is telling them a very important statement here. In the morning of the day of the Lord, the dominion of the beast kingdom will be ended. This is Daniel seven eleven to 12. He tells you that he's going to take away the dominion from the beast kingdom, the fifth beast kingdom, and he will not give it to the sixth and seventh beast kingdoms. Because he says kingdoms plural, and there's only two left. The eighth one, of course, is the devil himself. So he doesn't give it to them. He's going to allow the devil to come back from the pit for that period of time, but he's going to be himself. This time, what he's going to do here is he's destroying this fifth beast kingdom that rules the world right now. That's the crown trust that rules all the world. He's going to take away their dominion. He's going to wound them mortally in the head, meaning he's going to destroy their word. He's going to destroy all their wisdom. All their knowledge, everything, they're going to be wounded gravely, like dead. He's taken away. He tells you in John 9, 4, 5, he's going to make it so they can't even work. That's going to happen in the morning because God comes. He takes away the dominion away from the world, which is now we're in the morning. He's already been given dominion over the earth, and we are the ones holding him back. Tells us in Joel 2, 12 to 20, we are to let 
the bridegroom come by doing what? By mourning and fasting, so that God will not destroy his people, that he will set them apart by his spirit. But we have to sanctify, get, bring them to the knowledge of truth. We have to send out the fishermen, the people who understand how to make known the words of truth, because we are to be set apart by the words of truth in this day, John seventeen seventeen. And we are to be sanctified. John seventeen seventeen says we're sanctified when we are set away from those of the world by his truth, which is his word. Now, I'm getting a little bit far from the message that I want to get to you, but I think it's very important that you understand. In the morning, God manifests, manifests his works. He finishes his works. His work is to bring the kingdom of God on the earth. That's Daniel 9, 24. The seven years of the morning, I've explained the morning is seven years long. It started this spring. The Lord is now ruling and the right of dominion has been taken away from every leader, every merchant, every ruler, every king, every prince. None of them have any qualification to qualify for holding power under Romans 13 because God has removed it from them because we are now in the morning of the day of the Lord and the upright will have dominion. God is telling you to come out of the world and he will set you apart and he'll bring you through these times of troubles and the devil will not have any power over you and he's going to give dominion of the earth to you so that you can glorify him. He's going to allow you to have dominion over the earth. Now, what does that mean? Brings us back to our verse of Job twelve eight that we are to speak to the earth and it will teach us. Speak to the earth and it will teach you. We have to learn how to speak to the earth. The earth will not hear you in your earthly language. Same words, but the only way it's going to listen to you is if you're speaking to it in a pure language of the kingdom of God. And that is a language that uses the same words, but yet the spirit is in his words in full measure, John three thirty four. So when we speak to the earth in the full measure of his spirit, other words, we have the knowledge of truth. The earth will do for us what we desire because if we have the knowledge of truth, we also have the knowledge of the appointed days of God, the ways of God, and his will. We will understand what he's trying to accomplish. Now let's go back and talk about Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, the Lord says something marvelous. It's, it's just absolutely astounding what the Lord is saying here in Genesis 1. And I, in the writing, I'm going to point out every one of these, breaking down the verse and pointing out to you, what is he saying here? We all have heard the stories of the world system, the educational system, universities and everything else, telling us that the earth is millions of years old, that there was a pre-existing earth. Many of the creationists say that. That's not true. It's not existing. It's not at all what's going on here. God is showing his Godhead, his power. He's shown it to you in many miracles where he has caused arms to grow, legs to grow instantly. Feeding of the 5,000 instantly, the fish and the bread were in the basket. Particles come and go exactly in the full measure of what they're supposed to be instantly. Instantly. He can make his word known to you instantly for the work that you have to do at that moment. If you will listen to him. Let's go to, we talked about Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens, plural, and the earth. Why didn't he say heaven? Because he's talking down from heaven. See, God's heaven, if you go to the book of Testament of Numbers, you'll see the drawing there of the cube of creation. And you will see exactly, and I'll explain it here briefly to you, and it's coming out in the writing that you'll see. I break it down. But you see what the heavens are. You see it the earth. But you'll notice something here. In Genesis 1, he says they were created, but they had no form and they were void. They were absent of his word, but they were measured out. All the particles that would ever be of the heavens from the beginning to the end. See, when God is saying in the day two, when he gave the firmament, the work of heaven, he called it heaven. The name is always, when he calls it a name, he's given the work that it has to do. 
the work that it has to do for the kingdom of God to bring forth the glory and the plan of God. So the heavens, the firmament has the job of, you know, he built the three heavens together. Otherwise, there are going to be three heavens in there. Four heavens, I'm sorry, the capstone. And then above that, since God's, what we call God's heaven, it's a cube. It's at the top. Above, it hovers over and around the top of the firmament, which is a pyramid that comes up. You can see this in Ezekiel 1. He tells you that the four living creatures are directly under the, the firmament. It comes to a top. And above that firmament sits the throne of God. That's why everything points to the throne of God, which is in the center of the creation. He's telling us here that he created the heavens. In other words, the work that God is going to do, and this is why this is so important, to understand that he said the heavens and the heaven. Because he knows and he's preparing the way God is. God never changes his ways. Malachi 3.6. And he had his son go forth. And what's his son going to do? He's going to become king. If we read Daniel um, 9.24, the work of the morning of the day of the Lord is to complete the six things that are listed there in Daniel 9.24, which is anoint him the most high as our king. To get rid of sin. To make reconciliation for our sins and so on. Read Daniel 9, 24. It tells you everything that has to be done in the morning of the day of the Lord. This time we're in right now. And to do that takes work. So what the Lord is saying here, which is very important, is he's telling us that from the beginning, he prepared everything to get us to the goal, which when we come down to the end of this, the Bible here with the, at the New Jerusalem, it's one heaven. God is with us. So what he's showing you here is he made everything to get us to that point. Everything to overcome the darkness, overcome all these things. He had to make a people who will turn to him and trust him and become sons of God. To res- They have to be able to see that they need the inheritance of the kingdom of God, which is the words of God. He said the kingdom of God is within you. What does he tell you is within you in the Bible? Isaiah fifty-one sixteen. he says, from the very beginning, I put my words in you. In your mouth. I put him in your mouth. You weren't yet formed yet. And I put him there before I planted the heavens. You weren't formed yet, but you were created. Everything, like David says in Psalms 139, 15 to 16, 15 to 17, sorry, is there he's telling us that everything was formed and put into the earth. And it comes up. In other words, the earth was layered, measured out. Every particle has been assigned a work that it's going to be given to do over the period of time, and we don't understand how they come forth. But we can understand the works of God, and we can understand that, and this is what's important here to understand, is the heavens have dominion over the earth, as you'll see in Job 38, 33. Job chapter 38, 33, it says, God is asking, do you understand how the heavens have dominion over the earth? If you read the third day of creation, he tell, a fourth day of creation, he tells you he put his words in the firmament. And then he made the sun, the moon, and stars. But the first thing that went into the empty expanse of the firmament was the earth in day three. And then the next thing was the words that govern us. And God does this. He doesn't change his way. What he did in the day one was he made all the particles. And he placed them within the waters. I've explained this and I'll go through it in a second here step by step a little bit through Genesis 1 so you can see that there were four things existing at the beginning when God made it he made the walls of the abyss then he made the deep and then inside the deep he made the waters and inside the waters in the center of that is God's heaven and under that heaven he then made the firmament I've drawn all this out for you and it's the only way it works. It's the only way it works. Everything's a cube outside of that. Remember that God says in Psalms 104, the, the Bible, the David says that above God in the upper chambers is his storehouses of God. So there's something above the heavens, above God's throne, above his heaven. 
It's where he has the new Jerusalem. And it has all the things that we can't even imagine yet that God says we have no idea all the things he has planned for us. But all those things were planned. Because he made the heavens and the earth. The particles are there. They're in the waters. Heavens included the heaven of the end. All the heavens. But in the end, there's going to be one heaven because he's going to separate out. There's no reason in the, after the millennium for the shadow of death, which is the second heaven, which is date, uh, which is now empty, by the way, because Satan's been cast down to the earth with all his dominions, so it's an empty heaven. And then there's paradise above it. We are the lower heaven. We're the, actually called one because it's a step. The first step is we have to be set apart from the world. The second step, we have to gain God's wisdom and overcome the devil's words. The third one, we have to come to understanding. That's what they do in par- uh, paradise. And the fourth one is God's counsel. What goes out of the counsel, that's what a capstone is. That's what a judgment throne of God is. And above that, above the firmament, is God's throne. God's throne. Ezekiel 1 tells you that above the firmament, it's located up there. You see the rainbow there. But you go to Psalms 104, and you're going to see that even above that, there's the upper chambers of his waters. The waters, again. The waters is a ball that surrounds the heavens. When you go to Genesis 1, you look at this, and and please understand what I'm telling you is, from the beginning, God made all these things so we can understand that if we speak to the earth, it'll teach us the plan of God. The earth, when he tells us in Isaiah 40, 26, he's telling us that he numbered all the hosts and called them by name, which is the work for the kingdom of God they're going to do. He measured them because he said he numbered them, and that means measured out. He measured them out. So he has them, and he says, in the, even some of them, he says, by the palm of his hand. What is the palm of his hand? His palm of his hand is the authority of the kingdom for all time. His palm, his fingerprint, his handprint has that authority. So all the works of God for all the appointed times of God, for building forth the kingdom of God that he's given to his son, his son will turn to the, king, to the father at the end when he's conquered all things. And they'll reign together. But all that is in the hand. He's given him all things in his hand, meaning all authority is in his finger, handprint. That's why handprints are so special. The Lord's has that authority. His voice has that authority. His face has that authority. And, that, and that's where you get the idea of the face. When you go to Genesis 1, he speaks of it a lot. He tells us here he created the heavens and the earth. And remember, he didn't create the firmament until the second day so there weren't any heavens that were physically there but yet they existed in other words the particles that would make up the walls of the firmament were in the waters as substance floating in that massive sphere called the waters and from out of that he drew it out of there the particles came and and they uh, were in that uh, firmament they separated and made the walls of the firmament in an empty expanse inside of it so the firm was hollow, but it's thick walls in the shape of a pyramid. I've explained it. He said they're like a tent to dwell in. That's not a, you know, a tent is not that invisible covering that you see over top of us. It's a physical thing. God took me there and stood me in the walls of the firmament. I can say that. But it's also described in the Bible, so it verifies it. St. Jerome, in his writings, criticized Paul because he had read in some of the writings of Paul that Paul believed that there was walls of firmament. He didn't believe it. He taught it, that there was walls to the firmament. And, of course, hardened walls, he said. And Jerome mocked it. He says, oh, we have more knowledge than that now. No, he, he had no knowledge at all. And he shouldn't be a saint. Besides that, he grew up an atheist. And his teachings are wrong. So what is critical here, though, is that Heavens and earth, meaning all the particles were put there. They were all assigned a number. There wasn't some big bang thing. The Lord spoke it and they were there. And he built it in a form. The earth was without form, but he's not saying, and the earth was void. But he was not saying, not saying that the waters were not formed. He didn't say that the deep was not formed. Now, 
darkness was on the face of the deep, and the, the word for deep there is the, the the outside. In other words, he's really telling us in Genesis one one that outside of the heaven of God, it's in the center. Outside of that was created three things. The first one was. He said darkness was on the face of the deep. Darkness is the storehouse of God. I call it the deep. Uh, many people call this. It, see, in the Bible, God, there's two places of darkness. Let me try to explain that to you here. There's two places of darkness in the, in the Bible. The one is called the outer darkness. You've heard of the outer darkness. That is the cube. Inside that giant cube, there is this thing called a ball called the darkness, which I call the deep, because he has a place where there's a sea of the deep, and there's the outer darkness, and the pit, and the abyss, and all that. That's what that outer part is. It helps if you go look at the the book, A Testimony of Numbers, and thumb through it till you get to the pages where you see the cube of creation, the cube of creation. When you see that, you'll begin to understand the what God built in the beginning. See, when he says the fa- darkness was on the face of the deep, what is the face? This is important. See, we, we don't think of it this way. The face is everything that's facing towards God. It's like our heavens. We are the first heaven. He tells us in Second Corinthians 12, 1 to 4, that paradise is the third heaven. And many people who have been taken to heaven and back and know that they go through a darkness, which is the shadow of death. That's the second heaven. We are the first heaven. Then the second heaven is shadow of death. The third heaven is the um, paradise. And above that is the capstone where the four living creatures are and where the throne of God is, where the 24, living creatures, uh, 24 elders are sitting around the throne at this time. Above that is the throne of God. The eternal throne of God is there and the Ark of the Covenant and all that, nobody can get to it. The fiery stones are with the uh, living creatures, uh, the four living creatures. They're keeping those fiery stones, which is the word of God over each one of us that he blessed us with from the very beginning. And that is what he says, it's fiery, meaning it. when it talks about fire, it means it's continuously active. The word is constantly being monitored, constantly, for each one of us, constantly. And they adjust. If we sin, we lose. If we turn to God and come back to him, we reward. So they readjust the particles because God in the beginning planned all these good things for us. And we lose them. He talks about that in the parable of the talents. He says, you know, they judge them and what happens? They lose this and they lose that. Others gain. So that's what he's doing continuously there. The four living creatures are always adjusting and the purpose is so we can come back to correction. We will receive his reproach. Reproach is correction. God tells us in the deep, he has storehouses. See, there's the abyss, which is outside. I call the deep the darkness. In Genesis 1, he calls it darkness. Other places in the Bible, it's kind of referred to as the deep. But And, and the other part is the abyss. But you can say there's deep one and deep two. Just like there's death, death one and death two. See, the Lake uh, Guiana, which is going to be a lake of fire, which means the word is constantly active, always punishing those that are there. And when they go to death, that's the second death. There's a death that's above that prison. It's also in the pit that's in that abyss right at the beginning of it, but it's not cast all the way down to the bottom, is death, a prison called death. And that prison, that death, and you can see this in the drawing. That's where they have the, the, the mammoth that swallows the, the, the souls that come there, the worms that come there. See, when you go into the abyss and that, you're cast into the body of a worm. It tells you in Job 18, they're bound hand and foot, and Jesus tells their worm will never die. It'll be chewed on. It'll be tormented, tormented constantly by the beast and by the, the bugs that get in them, the worms that are inside the big worm. All those things will be tormenting the people there. And they'll be eaten by these uh, beasts and vomited back out on the third day in the, into a larvae, and the larvae grows into a maggot, the maggot grows back into a worm, and it's a continuous process of torment and terror. 
but they will not walk again. That's what he's talking about in Psalms 149, 14. They'll be driven far away from the bodies they have. They will never see that eternal body. They're going to be in the body of a worm. That body's been taken from them. They will never see it. God prepared it for them, but they'll never see it. It'll stay in the, the storehouse, and those particles will never come forth. That way he would have made them. The deep, after the millennium, because there will be no night, the place that's called the darkness, that's in between the waters and the abyss, that will be emptied, and it will be cast out into the abyss, and there will be an empty expanse there that no one can cross back over. That's what's going to happen to the people at the millennium after the great white throne judgment. They cannot cross back over. Now, while I'm, let me get, I'm sure you're very well confused unless you're looking at the drawings. There is a writing coming out in several days that will have all this information in it, which will help a lot, I believe. You'll see what I'm talking about when I say that darkness is on the face of the deep. Face of the deep is the abyss. Darkness, which is the place above it, is there. But also, it's a double saying because everything that's about the abyss is bad. It's for the correction. It's for the punishment. And darkness is on that face of the abyss when it looks towards God. Because what God has in the place called the deep, the darkness right now that's outside of the place called the waters is his storehouses of fire, of brimstone, cold snow. All that comes out of his storehouse of corrections, which is in that place. That place will be emptied because there will not be any corrections necessary after the millennium. When all the people, or those that are staying, are going to be pure. They're going to have the word in them. They're going to shine like light. They're going to know God's plan, and they're going to be true sons of God, thinking in the way of God and doing it. They're going to be sons of God, little gods. John 10, 34, 37 also tells you this. Now, what he's saying here, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, the waters, why does it say the Spirit of God? And this is how you understand the way he's talking about the darkness was on the face of the deep. Well, the waters, what is it? The Holy Spirit is at the face of it. Where's the Holy Spirit? It's, you know, the words weren't spoken yet. So it's still God. It's like the, the face is always looking at God and it's looking at his heaven. So that's the face. So you have two faces mentioned in Genesis 1. And he's talking about the borders closest to God of those items. And he tells you that the waters are bordered in another place in Proverbs. It tells you that the waters, the outside of the waters, the ball of the waters, is a circular horizon on what? It is uh, on the face of the uh, deep, the darkness, the face of darkness. So you can call that darkness, the storehouse of God with the punishments and so forth, is darkness. And the abyss, the outer side that's outside that second ball, that is called the abyss. And that's, that part is all within that big cube. It makes a whole lot more sense when you look at the drawing and you try to listen to this. It's really hard to grasp that. But I wanted to point out to you by doing this that all the particles were there. And then God says, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And he divided the light from the darkness. In other words, he put a hard border in it. And there, the light is the entrance of his words, Psalms 119, 130. So he entered the words into the people of the, of the, in the waters, all of the people in the waters, the plants, the trees, everything that would make up the earth, everything that's going to make up the earth from that time until the millennium was there. And what did God do with it? He separated the darkness out of it. He protected it. Everything that's in God's storehouse of the waters is protected from the darkness. It cannot be ruined in any way. God can take it away from the people, cast it out into the pit. He can do all those things, but darkness cannot enter the place called the waters. He brings the punishments through the waters, just like he takes us to heaven. He's trying to show us the same kind of concept. We go through the second heaven to get to paradise. Same thing with darkness. When he brings it in for correction, it goes through, it passes through the waters, but it cannot stay there. It cannot touch the things of the waters. 
Because the waters is the storehouse of God of all the good things that he's going to use for the entirety of the correction, the creation. This is why Genesis 1 is so important. Genesis 1, the first day, I mean. It's setting up everything it's going to be is prepared from the beginning to the end. Because he tells us in the second one when he tells it the firmament is going to bring us to heaven. See, everything was prepared in the first day except for the firmament. The physical firmament was a needed because the firmament doesn't work. It's like a cast iron mirror. It's what he says in James chapter 1. He says, it's like you look in the mirror and don't know who you are. When you look up to the heaven and you don't know the words of God are in that heavens and that those words have dominion over the earth. Psalms 14, I mean, Job 38, 33. Jesus looked up to the heavens looked up to the heavens and then he blessed the food and broke it apart and gave it to the disciples. He looked up to the heavens because the word of God is up there and by his looking and showing his face up to there, he was showing the authority he had of the carrier of the word to do the work that he desired and the words judge the intent of our heart and our soul, Hebrews 4.12. So the words knew what he was asking. The word is a living word. He says in John 6.63, my words are spirit and they are life. John 3.34, he says his words, his words had the full measure of God within them. The spirit of God is within them and the full measure of God. They only come with the fullness of God in them, the fullness of his spirit in them. Not your earthly words, but when we take these words and we want to understand them in the way of the kingdom of heaven, he will cause it to be made known to us and he will pour out his spirit upon us so we make it known. The wonderful thing about God is he's saying that even the simple, the lowest one, not even the educated in college or high school or anything else, anybody who turns to the Lord, he will cause them to know his words. Proverbs one twenty three, You do not have to be educated in college. You do not have to be educated in school. The Lord will teach you. If you love his words and listen and seek him, he'll cause you to know it. The creation bears witness to it. In this day of the war that's coming, you need to understand this. Because as he did for those disciples, when they came and they they were seeking after him for three days, what did he do? He said he had mercy upon them and fed them because why? The, The ending of the third day is understanding. The beginning of the fourth day is counsel. He was right at the ending of that day. And his counsel is, he always gives understanding. He wants all men to come to the knowledge of truth, be saved. That's God's desire, God, Father's desire. Peter, uh, Paul tells us that in Second Timothy. He's telling us this. He wants all men to come to him and be saved. What Paul's saying there is that that is the desire of the Lord. And that means that if we will come to him, as it says in Proverbs one twenty three, he will cause us to know his words. What I'm trying to point out to you tonight, how does the earth speak to us? Because if you read the fourth day, it rules over the heavens. The words in the heavens rule over. Now, how do we know the words rule over us and not the stars and so on? The sun doesn't rule over you. It does the way of the words according to the law of God about his words and what they were made to do according to his eternal plan. He told us that in Romans 1.18. His eternal Godhead has made his eternal power and the Godhead. What is eternal power? Power of the king is found in his words. Ecclesiastes 8.4. These words are living words. When you have an earthly language and you speak to it, it doesn't do much. Tell the Kleenex to rise up and fall down. It won't do it. But if it was for the glory of the Lord and it was for his appointed time for something, it does things like that. God would make things happen. He wants us to do it simple. He wants us to use his words not to glorify ourselves or to give glory to ourselves. He wants us to glorify the Father and not ourselves. Too many people want everything done. They want all things done for their benefit, for their great glory. Let people see that God did this for me because I'm so good. No, God doesn't do it that way. We're to give glory for God, for the glory of others without doing anything but walking humbly before him. 
not boasting, anything like that. Colossians 1, 15 to 17 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. See, the Lord existed before the heavens and earth. Firstborn. When he made the creation at the same time. See, Jesus said, I am the word. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But when he said those things, it means that at the moment that God made the creation, Jesus was there. The first thing, firstborn over all creation, means he immediately made the Lord. And then the Lord spoke these things forth and they come. When he said he made the heavens and the earth, that means that he put everything that supports the heaven and the earth together. And then he made the heaven, then he made the earth, then he put the words that control us, because the fourth day is always represented with the counsel of God, the fourth spirit of God. That's the counsel of the Lord. And he rules over us by his words. And only through the Father, or only through the Lord, can we come to the Father to have authority over those words. But when we do that, as it says in Proverbs one he he'll pour out his spirit upon us and cause us to know his words. We will not fail. Colossians 1.15 said he's the image of the invisible God, firstborn over all the creation. For by him all things were, were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. There was no Big Bang Theory, nothing like that. The Lord spoke it. And these things were instantly made. And not only were they instantly made, all the particles had their work. That's the omnipresent God that God existed everything. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him, in him all things consist. And please understand, Crown Trust, the world system, the Vatican, and all the rest of you, please understand that the Lord has taken away your dominion. If you persist to come after him or against his people to stop them, from bringing forth his kingdom, you will be destroyed. I'm not threatening you. God is going to do it because the words are going to judge you. John 12, 48, the words judge you at this time, and this is God's time. And you're coming against him, and you have no authority because he's taken dominion away from you. Taken away from the Vatican, I held in my hands paperwork from the Vatican's to the lady in charge of the Global Depopulation Program for the Crown Trust, and he was given financial resources to them. That should speak enough. And then when you look at the obelisk and you look at all the other things, the, the, the phoenix in the, that's in the Vatican and all those things, the pagan occultism and their false teachings and their lack of knowledge of the words of God and the truth. Knowledge of truth, which is the words of God. They cannot speak his pure language. They don't even understand it. They're trying to make their own language, which isn't of God. This is right in the scriptures. God speaking to you. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. In other words, you cannot change the scriptures. He said if you change the scriptures like they're trying to do, they're trying to take away some of the, the wording and the scriptures and so forth. The Revelation 22, God promised that all the plagues in the Bible will come upon them who have done this and are doing this. They need to stop. They need to repent before it's too late because the judgment is about to come upon us. It's in the morning time. Psalms 49, 14 tells you in the morning time, the upright are going to reign. These are not upright. When they have the obelisk and they do all these evil things, they're not upright. When you speak to the earth in the way of the appointed works of God, it said in Job 24, 1, that how can we say we know him and not know his days? Because God knows his days. He numbered it from the beginning. All of them were created from the very beginning here all the way to the eternal heaven. That's what is so important about the fact that he speaks the words heavens in Genesis 1, and heaven is the work he assigned the firmament to, and it's to divide the waters, because we are of the waters. It's to divide us, so it's going to go up, and those are going to go down to the pit. Those are going to rise up to God, and those are going to go down to the pit, because we're first going to rise up and stand on the crystal sea with harps in our hands that we can learn. In him all things consist. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. By his word, it's continually going on, all things consist. And just because he hasn't destroyed people 
doesn't mean he's not going to. Because he's going to carry out the judgment because it's a law of God, Deuteronomy 18, 19. If they have been offered his words and will not hear it, they will be punished and held into account. We're going to be judged by his words, John 12, 48. But what I'm pointing out with this speak to the earth and it will teach you in this day of the Lord, if you've set yourself apart by the way of the words of God, you'll be able to speak forth the words and what he desires for you will come forth. You will learn to see the things that God has provided because he said that he would provide the food that we need to eat. What he did for those coming out of Egypt, he's going to do far greater in this time. He provided the food, clothing. They had their clothing and stuff. They were all packed up and they were ready to go where God leads them. And people need to understand at this time, we're to be ready. We're to be listening for God and he will tell us exactly what to do. Do not do not jump to conclusions. I've done it myself. We have to wait on him. Because God is going to give us the instruction where to go and when to go. But we have to be seeking him zealously to be ready. Because when the power falls, the people will be ready to receive the word. And Pentecost, to the best of my knowledge, is actually on July 24th this year. 24th to 23rd. I have to look at my calendar. I can't remember right now. But it's on that day. That's the Pentecost fully come see there was the seven weeks and then you count the 50 weeks and people don't understand the way that is the calendar and so forth but he did it that way especially the seven weeks to prepare and then the 50 weeks to get ready you know you start to move the beginning the way of the spirit and we should have been doing that and then we're supposed to be increasing in the knowledge of truth because the word knowledge is going to increase at times and yet he tells us knowledge is going to increase. The knowledge of truth is going to increase in this day, Daniel 12, 4. And at the same time, he's telling us that no one's going to work, John 9, 4, 5. Because the light's going to go out of the world. The light's going to go out of everybody that's not set aside by truth. All those of the world do not have the knowledge of truth, the knowledge of his words. But all the upright do, because the upright are those who are going to stand before him. Those who do not stand before him will lay down, even during the time that's coming. Because what's going to happen, God is promising the people. You read Zechariah fourteen twelve and some of these curses that's coming upon the people. They're going to get the plague of death. The plague of death is like a leprosy, but far worse than that. It's going to have boils from the head to the top, from the top of their head. They're going to lose their hair and have boils all the way down to the bottom of their feet. And they will not walk. They're going to lie and writhe in pain. Their bones are going to ache. Like Job said, his bones ached. And he was sitting on a dung pile, scraping off the pus. That's what it's going to be like at this time. These people are going to be, they're not going to be able to be in their house. They're going to stink so badly. But God's going to take them and drive them into the bottom of the sea he's going to make an opening there that the people are going to be driven into there the bad ones are going to be there there's going to be many many things happen during that time but we're in that time now and it's coming the war is coming the deceit is happening you can see they're trying to get rid of what they call all extremism they are the extreme the world system and the leaders of the world because they're trying to rule right now when they have no authority to even hold their position. They have no authority to rule in Congress or Senate. They have no authority to rule in the Supreme Court or any judge anywhere in the states at all. And the military should not be fighting anywhere, in Israel, in Syria, in anywhere. We should not be giving them weapons. We should be giving them the knowledge of the words because only the words is going to protect them. Everything else is going to be destroyed. The Bible tells you that, you know, Damascus may ruin this heap. They're going to invade Israel. I've told you that they're going to cause in the United States... To be bankrupt. God has shown, to, like through Demetri Dudeman, all the damage that's going to be done in all the cities in America and so forth. But all those who come to the knowledge of the words, he's going to cause them to be gathered. And there ain't going to be any electricity anywhere. Nothing's going to work except these people who have the words of God will be able to call the light from the earth. Why? The earth is going to teach us what this teaching means. Entrance of his words gives light. What does God wish us to come to knowledge of? Knowledge of truth. What is the knowledge of truth? The knowledge of his words. Entrance of his words gives light. Psalms 119, 130. His truth is law. 
Psalms 119, 142. His word, the entirety of his words, is truth. Psalms 119, 160. Psalms 119, 9 tells us that he's going to, how does a young man cleanse his way? By the word. It tells us 105, it's a, the word is a light to your path. You'll have light because you can set up a stone, anoint it with oil, which reminds of the knowledge of God, look up to heaven, lay the stone, pour oil over it, and say, Lord, we're counting upon you to bring forth light. In this time of darkness, when the world is all darkness, we want to learn your words. We want to be set apart by your word. Let your word be witnessed to all those on the earth for thy glory, not yours. Don't think, oh, I'm going to put this here and show my power and I'm going to do this. No, that, that, that word will never come out of that rock. You'll never have a light come out of there. Water, you'll have good water. Did not God say the stone is a water? Where did the stone come from? All those particles that make up that stone came out of the waters. That's what that's showing you. And God's waters is his storehouse of good. Everything, he saw the light and everything was good. What is in the light of the waters? Good. Good works. Good understanding. So everything that comes out of it is going to be good. And then he promises he'll give us instruction. I will cause you to know my words. What is instruction? Bread. We get bread by instruction. Flour will be there. God will cause the flour, the wheat, the rest of it, the fruit, especially the fruit, to come forth at this time when you're going forth with the kingdom of God and you're set apart. When God has told you to come out, when the power falls and God has told you to come out, then you go where he's told you to go. You just take off. Even if you have to walk there, go. Because what will happen is God will get you there. Just like he did the people of Israel. They got there they would have got there a lot sooner if they would have believed. Because you can start walking and God can all of a sudden take you. At first, you may be about like the Israelites and you're going to be tested and you're going to say, oh, I'm getting tired. I'm getting worried. My shoes are going to wear out. They're going to do all these things. Did God not bring them there? Do you not have faith? He'll get you there. If there's a river, he'll cause you to cross it. Because he said that the waters will cover the sea. Didn't he say that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will um, cover the earth like the waters cover the sea? Even the waters that make up our seas, that make up our rivers, came from those waters of the deep. They're particles that were there. And they continuously come forth. It's continuously refreshing. And God sends, people understand, creation understand that the earth is constantly being bombarded by ice in the atmosphere that turns into moisture in the earth and particles in the earth. That's coming from Dodd's storehouse of correction because what is correction? All the, the, the things that's coming into the earth right now for us to overcome the heavens so we get to the heaven is coming from the storehouse of correction. The blessings is the things that's multiplied to you by God to make forth the glory of God. But God daily is refreshing the earth with what? Things from the correction house, the storehouses of correction, so that we will come to the point where we all desire to have his words written in our heart so that we can be of the new Jerusalem, of the new kingdom, of the kingdom of heaven. And be a son of God. The inheritance of the kingdom of God is the words of God that make all things. Jesus' name, Revelation 19, 11 to 13, we should understand. But we don't. Even though John writes off, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He's telling us that Jesus is that word, but yet the words are physical words we speak and do. But only by Jesus do we have the right to them. He spoke it and, they, and gave authority of his words to be given. That's why he said he covered us with his hand. He, with his authority, he put out his hand and the authority was given and it covered us. Covered us, protected us. Nothing would harm us until the plan of God will totally worked out for every particle was put in the earth and we come forth in our time. He formed man on the, on the you know, Genesis 2. But it tells you there in Genesis 1, the earth was without form. In other words, it existed in particles, but it was void, didn't have the words. 
didn't have the words. So where do the words come? He formed the earth, covered us, and protected us until he planted the heavens because the words were in the heavens and the words in the heavens call us forth, call the particles forth. They monitor constantly and they're constantly moving the particles within the earth. That's why you cannot have people who say that, you know, they go back millions of years, they do the testings and stuff. No, all of that work, all the layers of the earth, everything that's layered in the earth is there set for a timing that you don't understand. Because the frequencies bring forth these things and God layered it so the particles will move and come forth in their appointed times. It has nothing to do with the ages. We go by carbon dating, they say, and they can take it back and say, it's all this, this many years and that many years. That'll work, but it won't work past the 6,000 years because you don't know the plan of God and what those things are really doing and what these particles are really accomplishing. We don't understand how the baby really gets in the womb even though we think we do. We're going to find out a bad thing about that. That's why he tells us, the warns us in Matthew 24 about that. He says, woe to the mothers who are pregnant. Woe to those who are nursing babes. Please understand, if you're pregnant right now, if you have a child that you're nursing, anything like that, you better be speaking the knowledge of his words to them because you have a promise in Proverbs 24 that should worry you very much. A mother's job is to prepare the children for the receiving of the knowledge of words, prepare her household for that. But Sheba had Solomon on her knee in front of David learning the words. You need to learn the words. If your husband don't have the words, you speak the words and teach the words. Come to them. Aksa taught the words to Othniel. Othniel became the first judge of Israel, Judges 1. She understood because her father was Caleb. He had taught her the words and so on. She did a great job and a good work, and her household grew in wisdom and understanding, but she had to direct him. And then by that, he was able to seek the Lord, and the Lord gave him knowledge, and he became a judge for Israel, a teacher of the word of God. A judge in the way of the words of God. And understand that, you know, in this day, when I told you about, you know, people want to know defense. See, there's ways to understand when the people come against you. God separated. What did he say? He said, the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. Turn to the Lord. Turn in a circle to the Lord. The waters, you can turn in a square, you can however you want to do it, but you face the Lord. Don't worry about what's outside of you. Trust God, because the Lord tells us in John five twenty four, if you will hear my voice, if you will um, know the promises of the good works of the Father, if you understand the works of the Father, then what's going to happen? He says you're going to have eternal life, which comes by the word of God. We're judged by the words, John twelve forty eight. Jesus said he desires all men to come and have eternal life. He says, but you also pass through these judgments. See, we, we don't understand. We are responsible for this sin that's going on. Our sins have allowed the world to have dominion over us. But if we turn others to the knowledge of truth, James five nineteen to 20, it tells us it'll cover a multitude of sins. But we're not turning people to the knowledge of truth. There are people trying, but the people don't want to hear it. Spirit is going to soon move. But the Lord is looking right now for his fishermen, the disciples who want to know the knowledge of truth, want to believe in the words of God, but they will not seek him and they want to hang on to their traditions that are wrong. We don't even understand the world law system. We don't understand the, the, the way Congress and Senate really work. We see the evidence of it. We see the fact that none of them read the Obama health care plan. You know, DHS was formed before they ever had TV debates with Senate and Congress hearings. They were already operating and sending, you know, billions and billions of dollars to places overseas, to South America and so on, and nobody said nothing. Even when it's made known, nobody says nothing. Because that's our sin we're allowing in complacency. Instead of mourning and weeping before God, we're all the destruction that they're doing to the earth. In this time when the earth is supposed to be rising up, this is the time that the earth has waited on us to rise up the sons of God. We cannot be a son of God if we don't have the word come to us. John 10, 34 to 37. Earth. The earth will teach us if we understand that the heavens, see the earth was put in place, it was void, but then the words were spoken from heaven. The words were put in, and it rules over the earth. That's what he's talking about, being void. That was it. It was formed on day three. 
and the, the carbon dating and the rest of that don't work. <laughs> Not even the stars or any particles that were in the heavens before the earth was fully formed within it. And then, and then he planted the stars, the sun and the moon. But we don't want to believe that. We've got to believe our science people. The Lord tell us, we don't understand. Without these words, you have no understanding. Psalms 14, 2 and 3. Psalms 53, 2 and 3. He's always looking down to see if anybody understands, if anybody does good. What is does good? He wants to bring forth all those things he prepared in the earth that we're not bringing forth because we don't understand how to talk to the earth. And therefore, we don't even understand the earth will teach us. But how does it do that? How does it do that? First, we've got to come to understanding. We have to know his words. Proverbs one twenty three. He's waiting for us. The disciples walked us for three and a half years and didn't get this, by the way. But at the, after the cross, it says in Luke twenty four forty four and 45, then he was able to explain to them the words that he had told them about. I've been explaining the words for 14 years and people don't understand. But the Lord said, he's, he told them about, you know, he says, these are the words I spoke to you while I was with you. And then they were able to, he was able to cause them to understand the scriptures because with the words, the Spirit causes them to get understanding. It causes you to understand. The Spirit of Truth causes you to understand, but the Spirit of Truth cannot enter those who are not, not set apart from the world. And you're set apart, that's John fourteen fifteen to 17, and you're set apart from the world by John seventeen seventeen, by receiving his words, which he's wanting to give to anybody who will call upon him. You don't need a college price. You don't need to pay anybody to get him. Take your Bible or just call upon the Lord and he'll start teaching you his words right out of the creation. Even the creation bears witness to all this. I hope that that gives you an understanding of what that meaning. I pray that this writing that's coming out, I'll have it in a day or two. I may not do an audio until I get that out. Um, but I just want you to understand that this is so important for you. It's so powerful. You need this. There's nothing else that you need to prepare for what is coming as much as you need this because this is when everything else is broken down, when you have no power, no electricity, no food, and nothing, no protection. You can't stop the rain. You can't stop the floods. You can't stop anything. It's the words that have control and authority over that. And the earth will open its mouth and swallow these things Everything of the devil that he's trying to do, Revelation 12, 15, 17, tells you that the earth will open its mouth and swallow it. It will teach you, but you first have to speak to it. You can't speak to it till you get the knowledge of his pure language. Please understand that fact. I plead with you to please turn to the Lord. Turn to him. He'll make you know. He's the only one that can cause you to know these words, and he's willing to do it. It's the desire of God that all men come to knowledge of truth. He wants you to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Without the getting the knowledge of truth, you can't be protected. He tells you that in Revelation twelve seventeen that the devil is going to come against those who have the Ten Commandments and the testimony of Jesus, meaning he died on the cross and gave his blood for you, save you from your sins. But he's, he, knowledge of truth tells you how he did it and why he did it and gives you the power over the world because the power of the Lord is in his words because he is our king. Ecclesiastes 8, 4. He's the one good shepherd. He will cause you. He will use goads, Ecclesiastes 12, 11, to cause you to know his words. He's, he guides your path, like he says in Psalms 119, 105. He wants to teach you. He wants to give you the inheritance of the kingdom that Esau didn't even regard. And that's the problem of our church. We have all these people, the called out assembly. It shouldn't even be called church. Church is a meaning is a building. You're talking about a called out assembly that's seeking the Lord. Those are his elect that are going to be saints because they're going to receive the knowledge of truth and be able to put on the righteous acts of the saints, which is calling upon the words of God because Jesus is coming as a son of righteousness. But if you don't know what the son does by the words, you know, on the fourth day of creation, and you don't know why it does that and what it's doing, you know, that Jesus is telling you, this is how I did it. This is how it's set up there. And it's set up to you to glorify the Father by calling upon the things that he's prepared. But you have to get authority to do that. You, can't, you know, it's like Paul says in Second Corinthians 12, 1 to 4, it's not lawful for a man of the world to even utter his words. But if you set yourself apart in his kingdom and recognize that he's now king over the earth because we're now in the morning and the upright is going to rise up. Psalm forty nine fourteen. This is your time. This is the time for all those who want to be saved, all those that want to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven and not be fearful of the world and not focus on the world, but focus on the kingdom first 
and then all those things. If you want to overcome the problems, if you want to see these things removed, destroyed, and corrected, most of all, you should want everybody that's possible to be saved, you should want them to be saved no matter what they've done, Joel 2.32. It doesn't matter what they've done to you, Joel 2.32. If they've done something terrible, I've had people poison me, threaten me. They've done all those things. But I would love to see them saved to the kingdom of God. doesn't matter. God loves them. God wants them to come to the kingdom no matter what they've done in the world system, no matter what. All those that call upon his name, which is the word of God, Revelation 19, 11 to 13, the one that he talks about in John 1, uh, 1 to 5, he's telling you there that he's the word. He was with God from the beginning. But his work, the name that's given, the name is always the work of the kingdom we're given to do. His name is the word. That's the one we don't understand. And right there in John 1, John 1, the whole book of John is the fourth book of the New Testament. It's talked about the counsel of the Lord. The whole book is how he teaches us. And there he starts off the book explaining that like that, and, and we don't even pay attention. That this is the name. This is marvelous. This is his name. He's calling him the word. And he tells us that in Revelation 12. And he tells us there, he says, no one understood his name. The name he's talking about is the word. This is what he says in Revelation 19, 11 to 13. 13. Let's get the knowledge of that word. Let's chase after that name. Follow him. He said in John fifteen seven, if we will follow him and follow his words, abide in his words, do the way of the words, receive the words, seek the words, do all those things. He says, what you desire will be done for you. That is so critical when we're coming up against this war, total economic collapse and just destruction everywhere. You'll walk through these fires. You'll gather together and stir up love and good works for one another. You won't focus on that because you're going to focus on the kingdom. God's going to bring those people into punishment. He'll take care of it. We are to bring forth the kingdom of God and speak the truth right now to everybody you can because the first thing he's going to do right now is send out the fishermen. Jeremiah 16, 14 to 18. He's looking for the fishermen. Then he'll send the hunters, which is these world people that are going to destroy people. What a shame. Lord, I pray that the revival will come now, that your spirit will move. Let the people receive this message, Lord, and help it. Dear Lord, in my weak explanation, Lord, I pray that you will magnify it in your name for thy glory, for thy purpose, that people will turn to you and yet receive the knowledge of truth. We ask this in our precious name. Amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.